this week on Dig Me Out. Take this map off of me. With your hosts, Jason Zia and Tim Minichi. Jay, this week we have a requested review. Shocker. Requested, requested review. review. Yeah, and this is not a Patreon request, Jay. This is someone who uh, went to our website, digmeoutpodcast.com. They went to the area where you can request a review via PayPal, and they plunked down some cash. And uh, made a suggestion. It's Mr. Dewey Cole, an often commenter on our website. And then he also joined us at Patreon following that. uh, Awesome. So he said, I couldn't wait. I need to get this in. And then we'll we'll get to another one in 12 months when he picks up his his 12-month subscription. Uh, You know, after after the 12-month period, you get to pick your your album. So, but he couldn't wait. Jay, and um, he's not the, you know, I, want, I also want to throw out there that uh, we had some other folks who uh, joined us. Uh, well, another another gentleman, his name is Darren Leach. He joined us the same day that, that Dewey joined us. He actually threw in an extra penny, Jay. He's paying two fifty one. I saw that. I, I was wondering, if, I was hoping that wasn't a mistake. I was like... Is there something break in the system? Where did that penny come from? We got to thank Darren, but also our accountants are very uh, <laughs> upset about having to carry a one now every month. So uh, it's okay, though. They're earning their money uh, having to do the extra math. So no problems there. We want to thank uh, Darren and Dewey. And then uh, also recently Patrick Crawford, Josh. They joined us in February so uh, we've had a lot of uh, a lot of news pledgers this year. We really appreciate all you guys joining us and all our previous pledgers. You guys are helping this, uh, you know, do some cool stuff. We've got a contest that's going to be coming up uh, at the end of March. We've mentioned it. Uh, you're going to get to uh, take home a book and some other stuff. So I uh, want to thank everybody who's currently subscribed. If you want to get in on it, you got to be subscribed by the end of uh, March by going to patreon.com forward slash me out so uh let's get to the actual album that do we picked for this month jay let's do it it's violetine an australian band now dewey is not in australia so we have someone not one of our normal australian listeners uh being uh it would be uh, gavin Mm -hmm. and and kim two of our regulars who often make picks who are both subscribers of patreon uh, they did not suggest this album. It came from uh, Dewey, who's right here in the good old U.S. of A. I think he's not too far from me, actually. Hmm. I wonder how I found this band. So he told us. Told to share with me. I'm going to share. He said, these guys toured Australia with Local H in November of 1998. Okay. About a year later, Gabe, who was their tour manager... Um, apparently Dewey had gotten in touch with him and he suggested that they, uh, seek out their CD. And, um, cause it was, I think originally only released in Australia and then Sony picked it up for re-release in the United States. So, um, he had, 
He said, I remember finding some really bad quality MP3s on a GeoCities site and decided that I had to purchase it. <laughs> so he bought it from, he bought the Australian That's version. Yeah. He, took, he said it took a couple of weeks to arrive, but um, he said, I remember locking in with it track by track upon first listen. He said that he then started burning copies of the CD around 2000 and 2001 and just handing them out to his random friends. And he had a small circle of friends who really loved the record. Um, so they did sign, you know, like, he met, like I mentioned, they signed a Sony, um, which uh, there's some interesting stuff on that. But they, they put out a four-track EP after this, and then they ended up breaking up and going their separate ways. So um, we'll get into that a little bit. A little bit of backstory, which you can go to laneawaymusic.com.au it's an Australian uh, record label I guess and they have info on a number of artists including uh, both Violetine I think I'm saying that right Violetine and then uh, the band that followed with two members um, which is called uh, what are they called Violet Adult She's the Driver is the name of the band. It okay. was, and so so Violetine was a three-piece, Jay. Uh, you had Glenn Lewis, who is the vocalist with the more raspy voice. And okay. then the, and he's also the bass player. And then you had Sean Mulgen, I think is how you pronounce the last name. He's the guitar player, and he's got the voice that's less raspy. I'll give you an example. He sings the lead vocal on Birmingham. Okay. Whereas uh, the other vocalist, Glenn, sings the lead vocal on You Know. Those were like two of the singles off the record. And then the drummer, they had a number of drummers. Uh, the first drummer was a guy named um, Steve Leicester. And then they had a drummer named Glenn Maynard. And then a drummer named Damian Pratt. So... At this point, I think for the album, there's two Glens in the band. Glenn Lewis, bass vocals, Glenn Maynard, drums. And they were signed after they got uh, a couple-ish gigs under their belt, and they did a five-track demo. Uh, They were signed to Mushroom in Australia. Uh, They put out two more EPs. They put out two EPs, and then the album, they got a pretty decent amount of... uh, Support from the Triple J, which we're familiar with, during we spoke to uh, it was Danny during our uh, Australian episode from the Triple J, um, and then uh, interesting if you go to their uh, Bandcamp page, they put up in 2015 there is a single for Any Day, which is off this record that we're reviewing, which is called Small Speaker Joyland. Um, they put up a remix of the of the single Any Day, and it says, you know, Any Day in parentheses and remix. And then there's a note that says, uh, phony music, as opposed to, I guess, Sony music. Phony music paid a shitload of money to do this pointless remix. Good artwork, though. <laughs> so the remix was done by Kevin Shirley in uh, at Avatar Studios in New York. Um, there's a couple, there's another... Uh, EP up there, which is the EP called Crush. It came out 
after the album. And then it this this says uh, first and only release with phony music. We were warned what assholes they could be, but we didn't listen. Mm-hmm. So apparently their experience with the major did not go well. Not so good. So they have they have put up those uh, items okay. for people to listen to that they uh, did with uh, with phony music, as they put it. A common tale. Yes. Sadly, too common. Um, so, as I mentioned, um, two of the members, which would have been the guitar player and the drummer, formed a band afterwards called She's the Driver. Well, actually, it was the original drummer, Steve Leicester. So it's not Glenn Maynard, the dr- the third or second drummer. God, why do pe- there's always too many drummers to keep track of with, with bands. Um, they released a, their first album in 2005, and they have been continuing to release items all the way up to, or uh, albums all the way up to uh, September 2016. So just last fall, they put out a new single, and uh, I think that's pretty much everything on Violetine. We should get into the record. Talk about this band and this album. They're from Melbourne. We've covered bands from Melbourne before, so we will do it once again. I want to direct people. I mentioned there's a Bandcamp page. Uh, you can go to Facebook and search on Violetine. Uh, there's also some YouTube videos. They put they did actually make three videos for this album, and I watched all three of them just so I could get a kind of a visual on this band. I didn't know they were a three-piece just by listening to them, so glad I did that. So let's talk about this album, Jay. To break up me talking for uh, ten minutes straight here, I know. Why Jeez. don't we uh, done? Let, why don't we let you talk here, Jay, and tell me one thing that you liked about this record? Talk forever. Hey, yeah, yeah. I gotta uh, get some water. Well, this is a clinic and and quiet loud, isn't it? I it mean, is. It's hard to do that well at this point, at least for I think as us as evaluators listening to this much '90s music, um, that became a a pretty easy way to create dynamics in in, in rock music at that time. So uh, let's just say Nirvana was the one that brought it to the forefront in terms of pop culture, and then it seemed like you heard it in almost every song. That said, they are using a technique that's been done a lot. I st- They'll feel like they do it pretty damn well. Mm-hmm. Um, I have no idea how they how this would come across live, but you know they 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 build uh, the guitar tones. I know there's only one guitar player, but you know they really between the bass, either adding fuzz or um, the guitar getting louder. They'll also do stuff where it'll dramatically cut out and then cut back in, and then sometimes it'll cut in, and then another guitar will come on top of it and get even bigger. So from that standpoint, I love that. You know, when done well, that dynamic is pretty effective, right? It keeps you engaged, mm-hmm. uh, kind of creates a roller coaster. I think they combine that with this um, propulsion that I think makes it interesting. Like even though a lot of this, you know, there's some songs here that are up tempo. There's also a lot of stuff that kind of falls in a middle tempo, but it's still delivered with this. 
there's like the sharpness to the drums and to the drum parts it just keeps everything up top and driving and makes it sound urgent and not uh for the most part i see the majority of the record doesn't get like too kind of lackadaisical or like depressing even though it can kind of be dark so i love that um that aspect of just musically what's going on there that dynamic i'm a sucker for a three-piece who can really pull it off and sound big because there's this you can really appreciate the individual instruments when it's a three-piece even though there are some overdubs on here there's still an, an ease to be able to you know simply understand what's going on which i think is if done well can be really effective um because you can you can pay attention to every person in the band and then vocally i think pretty compelling i mean at times it can sound a little you know angsty 90s you know kurt cobainish but for the most part i think they do a good job establishing their own sense of melody their own general uh songwriting you know style mm-hmm. i think they sound um on the majority of the record like a unique band even though they're kind of using pretty um heavily you know leverage techniques and tricks and tools i think they still manage to put it together in a way that's unique to them yeah i mean there's uh, there's a lot here to like i mean um i guess i'll just say that, that we've heard a lot of the bands kind of play with all, some of these elements and not be able to pull it together uh effectively and i think they they do a pretty good job of that i'm going to concur with you and i think this is a good example of a band that doesn't isn't a spectacular you know songwriting band it's not a spectacular guitar band it's not a spectacular vocal band but they do everything really well like mm-hmm. nothing sounds out of place it's produced really well the songs are varied in structure enough most of them are in the three three and a half minute range you know, 336, 323, 314, that kind of stuff. There's a couple of uh, shorter ones, and there's one longer one, uh, Surrounded, which is 510, which kind of reminded me of, like, some of the slower Pumpkins stuff from mm-hmm. the 90s. Yep. It has that guitar tone. the fuzz i think that's what really helps this is there's no brittleness in the guitars they're always either kind of clean or just a tiny bit dirty or they're just like a good fuzzy guitar sound so that 
it never ever grates on you all the guitar stuff is really well yeah. done and um they don't overplay but there's enough interesting stuff going on um i'm thinking of a song like red that's the one i'm thinking of yeah you know it's just got these like cool guitar it's just like these stabs that he's doing during the the verses and then almost like countering off of the rhythm section with his with the way he's playing so sometimes it's not even necessarily about like a, a virtuoso it's just about finding the right spot to stick the guitar um and and do something interesting with it to counter the either the vocal melody or counter the the rhythm they just you know i like uh glenn's voice a little bit better i like his rasp a little bit better than sean's voice i think it's sean it's the other uh but he's got a strong voice too when when they work together yeah it's a nice harmony uh, on red where they are overlapping the vocals it's it's awesome like i could hear song after song like that and not get sick of it i wish they did more of that honestly on the record I think the other voice like on a song like misplaced where he sings a little higher i think that starts to go in some ni- nice places and gets them out of the stereotypical grunge band kind of sound which they can trip into every now and then but yeah i agree i think the the vocals are are really well done i think the guitars are appropriate um there's a nice amount of dissonance on the record too mm-hmm. right, right there's some weird quirky kind of um, droney notes that they'll put in or picking patterns, you know, to add some texture. Um, and they play off in an interesting way, sometimes off the bass, you know, where it's kind of just a little weird, you know, just to keep it inter- interesting and make it feel, you know, a little more dangerous, I guess, or mm-hmm. not quite um, predictable. Right. Um, which is good. I think that helps the record quite a bit. You know, there'll be songs where it's, Fairly straightforward, you know, something like uh, Buzz, which to me sounds like a really well put together Bob Mulder sugar song, um, up tempo, super melodic. Yep. But but then there's like Fuzzanova, which has got, you know, some strange guitar layers on it and it's a little slower, you know, but still works really well.
there's a good amount of variety. I think the places it, it pivots that I don't, I'm not quite sold on yet. And, and maybe this is something I'll get used to or like more in the record as I listen to it more. But a song like Birmingham, I, I love the chorus, but I don't love the verses of that tune. Like it just seems like not of the same direction. It's a little too, I don't know, like is funky the right word? I don't know. There's something like, there's kind of like a waka waka guitar thing going on in the verse and the drums aren't like pounding. They're more of like a spacier groove kind of feel. Yeah. I, I think it pales in, in terms of um, when you compare that rhythm to the rhythm that he's playing on the drums in uh, any day. Where he's yeah. Like oh, pounding yeah. on the, on the floor, Tom. Oh yeah. That's, I think what you want to be hearing a little bit more. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah. I thought Birmingham was a little bit weaker as well in terms of the verses because it's it feels a little more slappy as opposed to um, really hitting it hard. I mean, it's a killer chorus. I love mm-hmm. the chorus of that tune, but the verse, I'm just not. When that came on the first time I listened to the record, it was a. Oh, I was all in. You know, track one and two, I'm I'm like, wow, this is this is strong. This is sounding good. I can't wait to see where this band goes. And then that track comes on and you know, started to get concerned. Now they recover. I think the other missteps that I hear are, you know, surrounded is okay. I, I think that's the song you called out as having a bit of a pumpkins. It yeah. sounds a little bit like a, a mid tempo pumpkin song. Mm-hmm. I agree. It's yeah. It sounds like I'm, you know, it sounds third. like Glennis. It sounds like, um, which is their, uh, contribution to the I think the no alternative uh compilation it's one of the it's a or or is that Glenn, that's is that no alternative or there's like two um pumpkins like non album tracks that kind of have this kind of feel where they're like kind of this like slow groove but with that like you're playing those like kind of open notes with um on the guitar where you're kind of hitting one string, but you're also hitting a, an open string at the same time and causing it to ring out. I think that's mm-hmm. what he's kind of doing there. Yeah. And then Twisted, they go back to that same drum beat again. That boom, boom, da, boom, 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 da, boom, 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 da. You know, and it's like a, it's not immediate. It's not like driving. So then they get in this weird kind of generic groovy space that sounds, it just sounds like an alternative rock song. Like it doesn't really... Yeah elevate the other way that some of the other material does dr vonk which is interesting uh, it, it i'm not quite sure why it's an instrumental because if you listen to the structure it just sounds like a song they didn't put li- vocals on yeah I, the other the other song which is that's the shit track four that makes sense as an instrumental yeah and i liked that they did that and i kind of wish that dr vonk was also like a minute long if you're going to do another instrumental right. But you're right because it's like structure and sonically like there's no reason that that couldn't be a song. The only thing I can think of is that I think it's in like six, eight, mm. uh, you know, that swing time to signature. So maybe they just had a difficulty writing lyrics over something that wasn't four, four. Yeah. But if you're going to write it, yeah. I mean, if you're going to put an instrumental on a record, you need to think about it as an instrumental, right? It needs to stand on its own. It'd either be an album track, kind of a segue thing. Uh, like that's the shit is, or, you know, make it a true piece of music that can to can keep maintain interest without vocals. When I think that 
I just felt like in, in Dr. Dr. Vonk, I was wanting them to start singing. <laughs> it just sounded so much like any of the other songs. Right. But they just didn't put the lyric, the vocal on. So, but I mean, that's really only a couple missteps on this record. Um, I agree. I don't know that they're, they're not terrible missteps. They're just not as strong as some of the other material material. So, you know, the songs like any day in red, I mean, those are just killer songs, right? I mean, those are mm-hmm. to me the two best tracks on the record. Um, if when you compare those to, 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 um, twisted or, or Birmingham, it's just, you go from like having an identifiable band and a sound to kind of meandering and lack of identity. It's funny. Cause like I, when I think of like which tracks to stand out for me, standout tracks for me, it's like I like you know, and finer place on the back half of the record, like you, uh, finer place has like the big guitar riff, that's really cool, and um, you know you like you mentioned yeah. the ones at the top, like there are you can easily find five or six really good songs and be they could be totally different than what somebody else might like. Cause this is for a 13 song record. I don't think there's a whole, I mean, you know, like you could probably take it down to 10, yeah. but that's a really strong 10 songs. Yeah. What are the so, bands that you hear? Did you hear any bands that I, we haven't called out yet? Well, from a, you know, it, it, different things hit me, you know, guitar wise. I, I heard what you were saying with regards to like buzz hitting that, like Bob mold kind mm-hmm. of sugar era. I was also hearing like, you know, a lot of 90s bands that didn't quite make it in terms of big sound. You know, we mentioned the Pumpkins, but mostly this is like, you know, I hear things like bands like a little bit of Catherine Wheel here and there. Like I would say like Happy Days, Hmm. just in terms of presentation more so. But in terms of guitar, I was hearing like there was a band called Salt had a single bluster that had that same loud quiet you know or quiet loud dynamic that this band has you know that's the thing is like a two maybe a, a less in, in interested party you go well this could be one of you know 500 different bands from the 90s that you know were a guitar rock oriented band and with a you know a guy singer and and but if you like sort of drill down and listen to like, oh, well, this is a bit more fuzzy than that. And and they're, you know, incorporating some some different elements. It's it's a little bit harder to pin down. I don't know. What what were you uh, hearing when you were listening to this? Uh, I heard a little bit of like um, so track eight, Burning Sun. Uh, it starts to get into a placebo kind of sound to me. You know, his voice is a little bit. Hmm that range in the in the verses and then there's something about the 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 delivery of the verse uh both musically and uh, vocally i thought you could hear a little bit of like 80s alternative too in a place like a song like finer place i heard some psychedelic furs kind of sounds uh here and there you know when, when they go to those to those quieter parts i think they stay interesting, which is usually where these bands fall apart. They try to use the the soft, loud thing, right? It's mm-hmm. everybody loves the loud part. It's the is this quiet part interesting? Is it does it stand on its own? Does it? If I didn't have the loud part, would it still be worth listening to? And I think 
they do a pretty good job. Well, they do a really good job of making sure that those parts are unique. They're trying different types of phrasing and they're melodically strong. So they're not just like smells like teen spirit where it's two guitar notes and right. You know, some clever lyrics. It's they're pushing in that space, which is good. And, and I think some of the, I could hear some influence of maybe some eighties bands that were maybe weren't loud, you know, but they were taking some reference from or inspiration from. album came out in 98 mm-hmm. it did not as far as i know do anything here in the united states i don't even know if it actually got a release. i know they were signed to sony music in australia but i don't know if that actually meant they got a release here in the u.s so being released in 98 was that sort of you think because i i'm of the opinion that's too late for this band with this sound if this had come out in like 94 or 95 they might have had a chance to do something at american rock radio even 93 but i feel like by 98 it was over by then in terms of this sort of like polished straightforward rock that they're that they're doing they'd have to break through with like a very specific single um yeah you know what though i i don't know about breakthrough but i i think you could make the case there were some bands in this time period, maybe a little later. So I'm thinking of like a band like Idlewild, right? That kind of were in this zone um, in terms of, you know, they could get pretty loud and aggressive, but they could also, you know, deliver good songwriting and, you know, uh, strong melody and then there was a band like King Adora. I don't know if you've ever heard them. I remember I the name. Kind of in the same place. They got a little bit more glammy, but they were still like in a similar sort of sound. So there were some bands, you know, doing this kind of thing to varying degrees of notoriety. Yeah, commercially, this is, it's a little too, I think to a, to a generic listener, it's a little too early 90s. And for people who are maybe a little bit more plugged into music at this time, it's it's potentially a little too generic. Um, So it's in this weird netherworld where um, I love the story about him finding it on a, what was it on a, what kind of site with GeoCities or something? Yeah. I mean, you know, I remember, I'm sure you did that too. Like, and I don't think that's maybe Bandcamp was the closest thing you can get to that now where it's, you just stumble on some rinky dink website and find some MP3s and it's like you found gold, you know? Right. <laughs> and you have to like physically, you know, make CDs or download the files and give them to your friends from them to even know about this thing. They can't just like go on Spotify and 
you can't just send them the link to this to the streaming service. But I think there were a lot, you know, there were some bands that were in that space in this time through like maybe 2001, 2002, you know, trying to do something interesting with a format that, that had potentially been driven into the ground, but they still had a their own unique kind of spin on it. Um, there's just no viability there in terms of commercial success, you know, at least not in the United States. Let's talk about our overall ratings on this record, Jay. Worthy album, better EP, decent single. Where you're at? I'm in a worthy album. I, I enjoy this quite a bit. Um, I'm actually interested in doing a little bit more research and see if there's some more stuff that we can dig up. I saw there was maybe a live album on Spotify. There's at least three more releases on Spotify. I believe the e- like one of the EPs. There's an EP for B- Birmingham that has like three more songs, and then. There's a live release, and I think a single with a couple of B-sides. So, and then you can also go to their Bandcamp page and download free stuff uh, from there. So, oh, nice! Yeah, the stuff that they did for Phony Records, they put up and are letting people download it for free because I guess mm-hmm. Phony doesn't know about it. And this record is uh, it's on Spotify at least. So, yep. surprisingly, not some of the Australian stuff we've reviewed has been difficult to hear so it just went up last year via that laneway music uh company in australia Mm. so they must have either bought the rights or are or somehow are have negotiated for the rights to to put it up because there's the that and then and then the it's live at the falls is the um the live recordings that went up they're from 1997 they also went up last year Mm-hmm. And then there's the Birmingham EP and a single for you know, which has two additional singles that are two additional songs that are not on the record. So between that uh, single and then the Birmingham single, which I think has three non-album tracks, mm-hmm. and then the EP that they put up. I mean, you've almost got a whole nother album there just from you know, B-sides and EPs and stuff. So that's, uh, well, there's some screaming in the background. <laughs> Sorry. No, that's okay. Um, hey, Mike is, uh, brutal. Well, that, that crush. So actually there's, there's quite a bit. There's a, uh, the original 1995 violating EP that has five songs. Then there's a 1996 gutless feeling EP that has five songs. There's the red EP, or excuse me, the red single that was the first single released for the record it came out a year before the or in '97. The album came out in '98. That has three non-album songs. You know, came out when the album came out. That has two songs. Birmingham has two album tracks and two non-album tracks. And then the five or the uh, Any Day EP with uh, three or four tracks then okay crush is the one that came out on sony that has four tracks so yeah like i said there's like a really good amount of non-album tracks probably a whole album's worth so someone should put that together someone should make a spotify playlist of just the non-album tracks and try to assemble an album out of them maybe i'll do (laughs) that in my spare time all right, and uh, well, I didn't, I didn't say it, Jay, but I agree with you. I think this is a worthy album. I'm, good find. That's all. Yeah, it's this is a good record. I th- hope people go to uh, 
Spotify and check it out. It's a good listen. Um, we need to thank Dewey not only for suggesting this record, but for uh, signing up at Patreon over at uh, patreon.com forward slash dig me out and uh, all the other folks who have joined us this year. If you want to take the other route, you can go to digmeoutpodcast.com. You can go to our request review page and you can request an album that way. And of course, if you like what you heard, please consider leaving us some positive feedback over at iTunes. I think that's it, Jay. I think we're done with this one. Let's put a put a bow on it and say uh, say goodnight to the folks. Put a stake through its heart. There we go. We have we. I don't know why this turned into the murder of a vampire, <laughs> but uh, why not? Yeah, sure. All That'll right, be a new a new thing. We'll end every episode with uh, you know, killing it. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, for Jay, uh, the vampire hunter, I'm Tim. We're out, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. Thanks for listening. To support the podcast, visit www.patreon.com forward slash dig me out and become a monthly subscriber or request a review at www.digmeoutpodcast.com where you can find links to our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages, as well as our merchandise store at zazzle.com.